Hello and welcome to another episode of the Girls in Work podcast. This week we're talking with Kat who is a secondary school maths teacher. I know you couldn't pay me enough either but Kat was made for teaching and she talks to us all about the trials and hilarious tribulations of teaching teenage kids on a daily basis, what you can expect if you're planning on going into the profession and her advice for all new teachers out there too. Above all else, and probably most importantly, Kat is actually one of my oldest friends. We were those kids that she now teaches, and it was an absolute honour to have her join us this week. My favourite part of this episode? The part where Kat convinces her students that her firstborn child was to be named after a well-known geometric theorem. Have a listen. Okay, Kat, so do you want to just tell us a little bit about what you do and what your job is and how you got to where you are? Yes, so I am a maths teacher at an independent school up in Lancashire. So I teach from year seven all the way up to year 13. So that's um, 11 year olds all the way up to 18 year olds. Um, Maths, yeah, yeah, it's quite a lot. Um, I teach maths. I have also taught a bit of PSHE and some computer science as well, you know, just dabbling as you do. But Mm -hmm. mainly maths, maths GCSE, maths A level, further maths A level, you know, all that good stuff. Yeah, so Kat and I went to school together and she was the clever one, in case you haven't gathered by that That, introduction. That's that's not true. (laughs) I'm just good at maths. I am a bit of a geek though like I really do I I love maths so nice and is becoming a teacher something that you have always wanted to do pretty much so yeah um according to my parents I've always wanted to be a teacher I think it's because I'm quite bossy Mm -hmm. by nature I don't know if Sophie can attest to that one or not (laughs) but no comment As I as I started to like go through secondary school, um, I noticed that I really enjoyed helping other people when they were struggling, and I realised I kind of had a, a knack for explaining things in a way that made people get it a little bit. So I kind of just went from there, and because I really enjoyed maths, that kind of seemed like the route for me. That I wanted to be a maths teacher. I wanted to actually go older students who could actually challenge themselves as opposed to a primary school teacher where you're kind of a jack of all trades in terms of you have to be able to be good at your history and your music which I am definitely not so yeah so pretty much yeah I don't think there's ever been a time I'd thought about doing anything other than teaching when I think back yeah like I've probably inadvertently mentioned Kat on the podcast before because I always tell the story of being at school and having like two of my best friends at school always knowing what they wanted to do and Kat I always remembered you saying I wanted to be a master teacher I wanted to be a maths teacher and I remember like just seeing you go through like obviously you went to uni and you did maths you did maths at uni didn't you yeah, yeah. and I was like I just knew <laughs> I just I just knew that you'd you'd do it and I remember always being sat there going I have no idea what I want to do and always being no you didn't <laughs> like kind of like really admired you for like always knowing that that's exactly what you wanted to do because yeah I just didn't have a clue <laughs> I don't know how you cope with teenagers though I have to say well, you know, it's 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 an art. <laughs> an art. <laughs> no, I think teenagers themselves, like, it, genuinely, it's why I love doing my job because as much as I'm a massive nerd and I could sit and do maths all day, it's the kids that I go to school for. And actually, because of all the stuff that's been going on, I've barely seen any students since March. I went back for six weeks, obviously. Now I'm off on maternity leave, so... That's um, mm-hmm. I, d- I, d- I won't see kids now again really until next September and they are what drives me into going to school because they're just off the rockers. Like, 
it's just you, you in a day you can see so many different types of student and you know the, the really cheeky ones who make you laugh and then you've got the really really kind mm-hmm. ones who always help you and ask how you are and who work really hard and then you've got the, the ones who when you're at school yourself you always think oh they're being really troublesome but when you you when you're a teacher yeah. mm-hmm. I think you end up getting a bit of a soft spot for some of them <laughs> because because you work with them so closely, you yeah. know so much more about them. Um, when we had to go to like remote learning and mm-hmm. we were doing it all via Skype and stuff like that and you weren't seeing the faces and you weren't really talking to them, having those normal conversations that you'd have in a classroom. It was quite, it was a bit lonely actually in terms of that's not what I want to, I don't want to just stand at the front and teach. I wanted to have those conversations with them. I mean, when I came back in September, school was very different, but um, obviously all the kids knew I was pregnant. I'm quite heavily pregnant. They could see, see that. And the older year groups would ask me questions and, you know, talk to me about the baby and they knew, they know I have a little boy already so they were talking to me about him and everything and you know just just having normal everyday conversations with teenagers and kind of hoping that that shapes who they're going to be at some point Mm -hmm. and you never got that when we were all remote learning it was all a bit rubbish yeah it must be such a rewarding job kind of being a part of their lives and as you said just being a part of their journey and and helping them grow and teaching them and helping them develop I, I can imagine that that just feels really rewarding Definitely. I think, I I mean, I've not been teaching overly long, so I've not like seen the progression of some students that other teachers have seen where they can recount on years and years where they've seen a student grow up. But there are a few cases where when I first started my job, there was a boy who I taught and he was, he, he wasn't a very nice boy. But he's now in his final year and he's become this like, he's, he's become a young man. He's he's really developing, developed himself. He's a genuine pleasure to see on the corridor. And he's such a, Aww. you know, he's really like grown up. And it was just, it's nice to kind of see how he has changed and how he's gone through all the rubbish of puberty because it is mm-hmm. rubbish puberty's rubbish and then he's come out the other side and he's become someone who actually you wouldn't mind meeting in a, a pub and all the rest of it so it's, it's nice and then and then you have the kids who really struggle who um don't really get your subject and then all of a sudden you see them kind of go ah and they get that little light bulb moment that light bulb moment is just something else when you get them they really are that's really nice that's so lovely to hear like and kind of hear it from that side because I think but I always say like oh like you couldn't pay me enough to be a secondary school teacher like but that's like purely because I, I guess I just have this image in my brain of like teenagers being troublesome but you kind of forget there's that side particularly like you say because of the age you're teaching and you see them all the way through to is it year 13 you said Kat yeah yeah so they're 18 yeah. they're off to university yeah yeah that's quite you go through so much change in in that period of time and actually like some of these kids like you say who who might be a bit troublesome and when they're like just starting like when they're 12 and 13 they probably need that kind of shaping and that journey to go on to get them out the other side definitely one of my favorite stories Kat, I don't know whether you mind telling this is about when you were pregnant with your little boy and the name you told your kids you were going to call him oh. please can you tell the story <laughs> oh my gosh yes so when uh, when I got pregnant the first time round um I had a year nine form group so that's um 13 14 year olds and it was a very male dominated form group as well I think there were only six girls in the um that class so saw them every single day and once they eventually figured out I was pregnant which took them a while I think they just thought I was packing on the pounds <laughs> a little bit um, 
they, they they started asking questions like you got some really weird ones like what if it's um conjoined twins and stuff like that that really bizarre questions um and eventually they started to ask what his name was going to be and i was like well we hadn't really decided on a name and we were trying to keep the name when we did decide on the name we didn't want everyone to know it straight away so i told the kids he was going to be called pythagoras <laughs> after pythagoras's theorem <laughs> And they full on believed me because I was a maths teacher and thought I was a massive nerd. Oh, it's just, and the thing is, what was even funnier is that I came back to work after maternity leave the next year, and some of the kids genuinely thought I had called my child Pythagoras. No one, had, none of the teachers had corrected them. They thought he was called Pythagoras. <laughs> They just, I mean, one kid was genuinely worried. They were like, Miss, but what if your child's oh. fat? They'll get bullied. He'll be oh called Pie as a nickname. So and I was like, oh, bless them. They genuinely think it's true. <laughs> so I did, I did try to fool them this time, though, as well, because they were asking. So I said I'd call him Newton or Raphson or something like that. But they weren't having it. <laughs> <laughs> they might not fall in for that one again, Miss. <laughs> no. Oh, that story always makes me smile. Okay, so I think we've kind of probably touched on this a little bit, but what's the fa- what's your favourite thing about your job? Definitely the kids, without a doubt. Like, teaching isn't a profession you go into unless you genuinely like kids. <laughs> because it's, it's hard work that, you know, each day is completely different. But when they come in and they've, they've, they've got a funny story to tell you or they've done something loopy on the weekend, you know, it is just it is all about just seeing them grow up and become little adults Mm -hmm. yeah definitely and I mean that and the fact that when it comes to exam season I get to sit down and do exam papers all the time who doesn't love to sit down and do a maths exam paper (laughs) for fun on a Friday night (laughs) honestly Kat somehow I wonder how we're friends (laughs) I know (laughs) (laughs) okay so kind of going the the opposite way now what would you say is the most challenging part of your job probably the kids <laughs> I mean the kids, again. The, kid, the kids can be challenging I think sometimes the kids and the parents and the situations that we can end up dealing with can be quite tricky um, and quite difficult at times um, especially when sometimes as a teacher there's not much you can do apart from just go tell someone else and they have to take it on and then they might have to take it somewhere else sometimes you kind of can't do as much as you want to do and that can be a bit hard I actually think the hardest thing and it's probably something that comes up quite a lot for every job is the work-life balance because teaching is really full-on like you get so you're timetabled like 25 out of 30 lessons a week to be teaching which gives you five lessons as free I say free with a apostrophe <laughs> over it because actually yeah because actually you could be put on cover you've got to be marking you could be having to have a meeting and then usually your lunch times are taken up by a club mm-hmm. which obviously you do because you want to be involved and you want to provide the pupils with such a, a rounded rounded education doing all the extra stuff as well and it can be quite full on and then you have your parents evenings where you're there till nine o'clock at night and reports and data and it's quite a lot it's not a job where you can leave at three and half past three four o'clock when school finishes mm-hmm. unless you're one of those people that goes home straight away and then works late into the evening but there is there is a there is a give somewhere and usually it's because there's so much work to be done but you kind of you balance it with the fact that yeah. <laughs> 
as everyone well knows, teachers get very nice long holidays. <laughs> very well deserved, I would say. <laughs> because we're, we're absolutely exhausted by the time that the school holidays come around. Yeah, it's it's mental. It's like so full on. And then your half term comes and you're like, oh, breathe a sigh, sigh of relief. And then it's another six to seven weeks of just like meetings and lessons all the time. And you just constantly on the move so i've got to say one of one of the big bonuses that because i work in an independent school not a state school is that Mm -hmm. at the summer we get an extra two weeks off so i actually get eight weeks holiday in the summer i break up at the beginning of july and that that to me is one of the biggest perks because you just that last like term of getting the kids ready for their exams and all the extra stuff we do all Mm -hmm. the extra curriculars all come to a point at that but it's it's hard and all the, we write, our school writes all the reports at the end of the year. So you're writing reports for seven year groups, however many classes that might be, in July. It's a bit mm. brutal. Yeah. Do you get, um, I guess I always wanted to know this when I was in school, like, do you get nervous for the kids when exam season comes around? <laughs> or are you just like, oh, there you go, go on, off you go. <laughs> oh my gosh, so <laughs> bad. Do you? I don't show it to them. I'm always like, you know, like stony face as you are. <laughs> but like, because we don't see the exam paper we actually see we can only see the exam paper in like the afternoon after the exam say they have it in the morning so we don't know how it is so what you remember when you take an exam and you come out and you turn to the teacher and be like oh they asked this and they talked about this 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 and the teacher kind of always looked at you a little bit blankly (laughs) because they genuinely had no clue what was on that paper and that was that's always hard Mm -hmm. and um obviously a couple of years ago the maths a level changed slightly and it was the first year that they'd sat exams and they came out and kids were in bits because it was so much harder than any of the practice papers they'd been given or anything like that and we genuinely didn't know if they were all over exaggerating or if it was genuinely the case it it was the case the 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 papers were horrific but you do you kind of you get nervous for them and then and then you kind of like oh gosh well if that paper's like that what's the next one going to be like and you do yeah because you see how hard they've been working as well I think that's the hard that's the really big thing you know that they I mean some kids don't but most of the kids you know how hard they've worked and how Mm. much effort they've put in and that it could all go at the drop of a hat I guess it's quite a lot of pressure like like say you can't that from the moment they go into that exam hall you can't do anything else yep and about what about results do you get I think results days were yeah (gasps) (laughs) you have to relive that every single year oh my god the results day is just like so this results day was actually my first year where I'd taken a GC group all the way through but it was just it's Mm -hmm. nerve-wracking because the school finds out the results like 24 hours before the kids so they can like look at the data and stuff like that but they only tell like senior leadership like senior leadership kind of sit down and go right okay this is what's happened blah 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 blah. and then at eight o'clock when results become available to everyone that's when staff can get an email with it all on so you can kind of skim through and see what's happened and all the rest of it but it's it's difficult because you're and you can be stood in the hall where they're getting the results and you can see some people are absolutely over the moon and then you see that one kid in the corner who was maybe two marks off the uh, grade they needed 
and you're just like oh it breaks your heart and it happens every every year because it you know that's the way it works but it is terrible and i probably because i didn't sleep before my a level results day like the night before i didn't sleep i think it's worse now that i'm a teacher because i feel responsible for them (laughs) gosh i can't imagine having to relive that every single year cat were you was it you in when we were in high school the like the, the day or the day or two before we got our results in high school when we were in, asked to go into school and have our pictures taken yeah we were in the lancashire evening post <laughs> i think i think if you actually google our names the picture still comes up <laughs> nobody yeah. nobody needs to do that nobody <laughs> needs to see this photo <laughs> but we were essentially we were called in weren't we because the school must have had our results because they said oh like you've essentially you've done quite well and they want to do like a photo we had to stage this we didn't know how we'd done and nobody had told us this at the time but we had to like stage this no. photo we were we were holding onto blank pieces of paper and like <laughs> jumping up in the air as if we'd done really well before we'd got our results yeah and it, we then had to wait like another 24 hours before we actually got our results given to us it was the weirdest thing ever oh my god i can't believe they made you do that before getting your results as well yeah yeah so we had no idea like what we actually got but we had to stage this photo for the local paper to look like we were like happy as larry (laughs) okay Kat. um have you learned anything about yourself since you became a teacher do you know what i have learned right and i I mean you probably doubt me after the shambles of trying to get this call set up in the first place but i am actually really really good with technology (laughs) And I don't like to brag, but there have been many times when uh, a teacher's seen my Excel spreadsheets for Mark books and they've been like, oh, wow, how do you do that? And I get to show them. So I've learned that about myself because I didn't think I was that good with IT, but apparently compared to a lot of other teachers, I am doing well. So I definitely I, I definitely say that I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm quite good with uh, the technology, but that learn. I, I think I've learned that I am actually a bit more sympathetic than I thought I was like I'm more I felt like I was always a bit of a hardball with people but apparently not with when it comes to kids when kids come to me crying I always feel maybe it's the mother in me maybe it's the hormones (laughs) now that I'm a mum but um I feel like I I I I want to help them more and I'm a bit more understanding. Yeah. Whereas I think if an adult came to me crying, I'd probably just be like, "Eh, tough luck. I was just about to say, you always (laughs) tell me to piss off. Thanks, Kat. (laughs) You're an adult now. She doesn't. doesn't (laughs) (laughs) No, I guess you, I guess you're like, obviously you kind of, you kind of have to kind of be like that when you're working with, with children, but I guess it does get like become more of an instinct when you're surrounded by kids all the time and yeah and and the thing is as well like i mean if you saw a kid crying in the street you know like really really sobbing you'd want to help them and when you're surrounded by them all day and then all of a sudden you see one girl that you never see cry crying you're a bit like oh oh gosh what's what's gone on yeah to actually break them down a little bit so this isn't a question but is there like do you get some really good drama going on with the teenagers I mean, I can't. I can't actually tell you any of it. I'm not allowed to. No, of course. <laughs> but, but I do love. I mean, I love the gossip. I mean, I, I've got to say, I, I think I'm quite good with the kids in terms of getting the gossip and like mm-hmm. all the drama and stuff like. They t- they tell me stuff. I'm not one of these teachers that they don't tell anything to. 
which is quite good. Yeah. So I get all the little when when people are going out and when they've fallen out and who they're going out with now and uh, what's gone on at the weekend. And as as they get older, you're like, I don't need to hear about this party that you had because that is not appropriate. <laughs> cool. So I think this is our favourite question to ask. But what advice would you give to your younger self, knowing what you know now? There's, there'd be two pieces of, of advice. The first one would be to stop panicking so much about everything all the time. Because I always used to panic that I like I wouldn't get into university or I wouldn't get into the university I wanted. And I wouldn't become a maths teacher. And then when I started applying for jobs, I'd be like, oh, I haven't got that job. That went rubbish. That went rubbish. And I'd always be quite self-deprecating about everything. And things actually turned out a heck of a lot better yeah. than I thought they would. And I think I worried way too much for no reason so I think that'd be my first bit of advice my second bit is that I really wish I'd made a diary of how I got through exam pressures when I was like 16 and 18 because there are times now where I'm talking to students and I'm like look I went through exactly what Mm, you were going through and I'd try and remember what kind of things I did but I mean it's been 10 years I I can't remember you know I can't remember I, I know I I know I got through it but I can't remember exactly what I did and I kind of wish I had something like that to just be like look these are the things I did try them maybe they'll work for you because I mean mental health is massive at the moment but when it comes Mm -hmm. to exams there are some people that are just really struggling and it, it, it is a lot and I know I went through I mean I was a right state for exams but um I went through it all and I kind of wish I had some kind of notes to look back on and mm-hmm. go right you can stay, say this yeah. when the when you're when you're giving this advice because actually it will help and stuff it's really interesting how many people say the first one about worrying less and panicking less a lot of people when we ask this question have a very similar answer and it it's difficult I guess it all ties into the same thing in terms of like mental health and stuff but when you're growing up like gosh growing up and like being a teenager and like going through puberty and all that kind of stuff it's it's so hard and there's so much going on and there's so much like going on in your head and like everything's changing and you're going through all these new experiences whether it's like from high school to college to uni and all this kind of stuff it's hard not to worry and so many people say I wish I'd just trusted the process a little bit more and it's kind of a reminder to do that now isn't it just trust that things are happening for a reason yeah I think as well because you're I mean our education system is one that kind of forces you into a career from even the age yeah. of 14 you start picking your options and then you go to college and you're only you're down to three yeah. A levels now you know you don't you don't yeah. even take ASs anymore so you do three subjects you're kind of forced into a corner straight away yeah, and then at 18 exactly. you're expected to go away to university and I've picked a, a, a subject that will get you a job and start you on this long career and that's a lot to put on someone who's 18 years old gosh yeah and like you don't obviously when you're at that age as well you don't realize that it's not the be all and end all you feel like there's so much pressure to choose the right thing not realizing that actually it's not that important it feels like it's the end of like oh my god if I make the wrong decision that's it my life's gonna be ruined I'm gonna be stuck in something I don't like for the rest of my life oh my god and you don't realize like you can change it if you want to yeah I honestly remember doing my exams and just thinking it would be the end of the world if I didn't get like an A or a B. And it's like, like you said, I think there's just so much, almost feels like there's even more pressure on children at school now to, to do well and get into university. And it is, it is too much. Yeah. 
I think my school, um, we have a lot of students who apply to uh, Oxbridge or the Russell Group universities, you know, your, your university obs and all that kind of stuff. And it's because that's where their parents mm-hmm. re- went and everything. And they've come from a long line of yeah. their parents going to this university, doing this subject, and that's what they're going to do. And I'm quite glad that I actually went through clearing because I tell them that and I say, look, I did, I got the grades that I needed for my maths, but my other subjects weren't so great. And I still turned out perfectly fine and I went to a university I didn't go to a university of but it turned out perfectly fine and then actually Sophie I usually tell them your story a little bit as well in terms of (laughs) that you completely switched careers because you you didn't enjoy what you were doing and I was like you don't have to make this big decision right now yeah there's always other options there's always another pathway you don't have to make one decision and then that's it like you can't get out of that that's so nice to hear Kat that like you're really advocating for that because I would say that's one thing I wish our schools and the college we went to had done differently like they they even though despite me from day one of college saying to my tutor I'm not going to university because of my predicted grades and the subjects I was taking they're like nope you've got to apply and they literally sat me down and forced me to pay the 28 pounds or whatever it was to apply to UCAS and I was like I'm not going to go (laughs) and it was like and I didn't get any support because I think I mentioned before I didn't go to university and I didn't get any support in terms of for me doing my own going my own path and saying to them I don't want to go to university I want to go and do like an apprenticeship or a a job training scheme and I didn't I had to do that all by myself um and I still remember it was like one of the best days of college sitting down with my form two and declining everyone in my university office because I was like I told you I'm not going (laughs) but yeah and so that so that you know what that's really nice to hear that like you and like people are now giving the kids the advice and telling them this this is how it is this doesn't have to be don't put so much pressure on yourself kind of thing okay so Kat if you weren't doing this job and you could do any job in the world what would it be so no money issues or anything like that no money training time nothing geographical location anything you can do anything what would you do I'm gonna sound really soppy now I'd probably be a stay-at-home mom <laughs> that's so lovely to be fair that's probably the right answer <laughs> because like I mean especially now that I'm on maternity leave so I'm spending more time with my little boy uh, I just it, I really enjoy it like it's hard work it is just as hard work as teaching or any other job and the women and the men who do do it as their that is what they do I I really do admire them so I'd probably say that because other than that I'm teaching I don't really want to do anything else that's a lovely answer (laughs) when like obviously during lockdown and corona oh my god I'm gonna phrase this now and it's gonna I can't believe I'm saying this the way I'm about to word this for privacy reasons I've I've never said it like this before and it just feels so weird (laughs) oh gosh she's gone (laughs) so Kat during lockdown and corona did your husband work from home as well he's still working from home yeah how did you how did you find that both of you being at home with your little boy as well do you know what I mean in a way I'm so grateful everything happened when it yeah. did because I actually got pregnant just before lockdown started. And um, yeah. so if you know this about me, but I get the most horrific morning sickness ever. I was actually in bed for like two to three months, just upstairs, not being able to do anything. So my husband was working, looking after the little one and looking after me at all, the, all at the same time. So I was really grateful that he was at home because I don't think I'd have coped because obviously my little one couldn't go to normal childcare. So that was quite a lot. But 
when yeah. I eventually got better and we ended up working on the kitchen table together, it was it was um, interesting. It was nice because we don't usually get to spend that much time together um, and we were able to get jobs done and spend time with little learn and work. But mm-hmm. I mean, there'd be times when I'd be like teaching and he'd be in a meeting and we'd both be like battling over <laughs> each other to speak louder because <laughs> we could, and it just, oh, it was just yeah it was hard work but I am I am really grateful that he was here and the fact that actually him still being here now is amazing because he doesn't have Mm -hmm. to travel to work so he gets up at he gets up and he starts work at eight and by four o'clock he's pretty much finished which means he can come downstairs and we can all spend a bit of time with as a family before little one goes to bed and everything it's really nice and also the house has probably been the tidiest it's ever been since we moved in which with a two-year-old is very impressive <laughs> but yeah no I, I I am grateful he he was here and actually things kind of worked out in a way that despite all the weird stuff going on in the world it was quite fortunate for us yeah do you know he is a good one though isn't he I have to say he is however <laughs> however I oh, no. would say I've been doing most of the cooking at the moment and so if you know <gasps> that's impressive that is very impressive every time I go around it's always Kat's husband who does the cooking I have to say so that is I am very impressed and in fact mm-hmm. he normally tells you off for coming into the kitchen so <laughs> that's even more <laughs> impressive he does <laughs> Okay, so this is this is actually the final question now. <laughs> so what advice would you give to someone who is looking to get into teaching? Oh, I think the first thing I'd say is don't do it unless you really do want to be a teacher. I know a lot of people come out of university, mm-hmm. they don't mm-hmm. have a job and they think, oh, well, I can go back and go do my PGCE, do another year's of training, maybe get some money out of it because depending on what your subject is, you, you can get some more funding towards your degree and everything. Um, and then after two or three years, decide actually it's not for them um, or even they do the training and then go somewhere else. We are struggling to get teachers at the moment who actually really want to be there. So don't do it unless you actually really want to do it because it's a, it's a heck of a lot of work and it you know we we, we want people who yeah. actually do yeah, want to definitely. support the kids and then the other thing i'd probably say is think very carefully about which which route you go into teaching because there are so many different routes now it's not just as simple as going for a pgc at a university you could go do a scheme where you're based in schools all the time um, and it's run by a school with the likelihood that at the end of it, one of the schools that you've worked with will offer you a job. There's others that are a bit more corporation led and charity led and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think dependent on the type of person you are, you need to think about which one works best for you. For example, I mm-hmm. went I went through a skit scheme, so based with a college, but they had several schools who they all worked with. And the likelihood is that you were going to get a job with one of them or they'd help you very carefully get a job in the local area. Yeah. And that worked for me because there were only two people who were doing maths. There was me and just one other, one other person. So when we had our Friday afternoon sessions with our mentor, our maths mentor, it was a three-way conversation. Whereas I know someone who went to university and there were 30, 40 people becoming maths teachers and you were sat in a room and you never spoke to anyone. So it just completely depends on the type of person you are and what you, know, what you want to do. But think carefully about where you want to apply to train because the people you train with will shape the kind of teacher you will be that's really good advice yeah like really practical advice i like it do try (laughs) (laughs) maybe we should end on that (laughs) well yeah we've covered quite some topics there so thank you so much kat for 
taking the time to chat to us. I've really enjoyed it. So nice to talk to you. Yeah, yeah. it was lovely. I am, however, going to go to bed soon because, you know, pregnant and all that good stuff. <laughs> So that is it for another episode of the Girls in Work podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, please hit the subscribe button. And if you do have time, we would love for you to leave us a review as well. That will help us get the word out that we are here. Don't forget, you can also head over to girlsinwork.com for some more empowering and inspiring articles for women in the workplace. If you'd like to get involved, we would absolutely love to hear from you. You can get in touch at hello at girlsinwork.com. And we'll see you next week for another episode of the Girls in Work podcast. <laughs>